I'm so glad you've joined us for this ministry of expository Bible preaching. Today we begin a series of six messages about changed lives. And our focus today is on a tax collector who became a benefactor. Think of the most lonely experience you can imagine, or maybe you don't have to imagine it. Even in our busy, crowded world, loneliness is the experience of many a heart. Today we're going to look at a man with a lonely heart and a longing heart. And notice the change when he finds the Savior. His life is like the great old hymn that says, When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken, the tears are wiped away. For he takes the gloom and fills the life with glory. For all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. And I hope you'll stay tuned to the message and for the discussion to follow. But now here is my father's message from the New Testament book of Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, a message entitled, A Tax Collector Who Became a Benefactor. It's characteristic of Luke that he tells us the story of Zacchaeus. For Dr. Luke is ever telling stories throughout his entire gospel that reflect the characteristic of the Savior and his love for sinners and outcasts. His gospel is essentially the gospel of forgiveness. And again and again we find sinners crowding around the Savior, the publicans and the sinners sitting down to hear what he has to say. And I can't help feeling that's why, of all the writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we look into Luke to find this fascinatingly human story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector who became a benefactor. First, I want you to notice the motives that made Zacchaeus seek the Savior. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press. It was because he was little of stature. The motives that made Zacchaeus seek the Savior. Look into the story carefully, and you'll find that there were two motives that are true of us all. The first was the motive of loneliness. We read that there was a man named Zacchaeus, the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And my friend, bound up in that one little statement of Dr. Luke's is the story of a lonely man. The story of a lonely man. He was an outcast. He was unwanted. That wasn't always true. He was born in a fine, godly family. When that little life came into the world, mother and father called that little boy Zacchaeus, which is a reduced form of the great name Zachariah. And undoubtedly, he was brought up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. But by and by, He became inflamed with a lust for wealth and for riches and for money. And there came a moment in his life when he sold his patriotic loyalties and became a servant 
of the Roman government. And from that moment onwards, he was hated. He was an outcast. Every time a Hebrew passed him, he spat on the ground. And because of the great import duties that were levied upon people there, he went to town to make money. And we read, he was rich. And I tell you, he was rich. An ordinary tax collector was rich, but a tax commissioner or a commissioner of taxes was infinitely so. But you know, with all his success, with all his wealth, with all his fame amongst other tax collectors, he was a lonely man, for he was an outcast. Indeed, Jesus looked into his face and said, The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. A lonely person is a lost person. He's cut off from God and he's cut off from his fellow man. And I want to remind you, my friends, that eternal punishment away from God is going to be characterized by eternal loneliness. The hottest flame in hell is going to be that of utter dereliction and loneliness. The worst thing that ever happened to our Savior when he bore our sins in his body on the tree was that one moment which spelt an eternity when he cried, My God! My God! Why hast thou forsaken me? He was lonely! There is nothing more devastating than loneliness. And I want to tell you, my friend, loneliness starts on earth, but it ends in hell. The motive that made Zacchaeus seek the Savior was the motive of loneliness. He wanted somebody to fill that aching void. And he couldn't find it amongst his fellow Hebrews. They'd cast him out. He was a sinner. He couldn't find it amongst the Gentiles. Why? They didn't understand him. And although he had plenty of contact with his fellow tax collectors, they were vying one with the other after all and full of suspicion, so he hadn't it there. He was a lonely man. But there was another motive, a second motive, which grows out of the first. It was that of longingness. He sought to see Jesus, who he was. Born out of loneliness, there was a longingness, an eagerness to see Jesus who he was. And you know, there came a point of desperation in his life when he said, I don't care what people say, they may ridicule, they may criticize, they may even persecute, but I'm seeking Jesus, cost what it will. And so we read in this dramatic little story that he heard that Jesus was coming along and he ran before and he climbed up into a sycamore tree. More literally, that was a fig mulberry tree. One of the mulberry trees that has overhanging branches that come down almost to the ground. And Zacchaeus climbed up into the tree for he sought to see Jesus who he was. He hadn't the courage to press through that crowd like a little woman we shall be thinking of possibly next week. He hadn't the courage 
to press through to see the Savior face to face. He wasn't tall enough to look over their shoulders. So he said, what shall I do? I want to see Jesus who he was. I want to look into his face. One look into his face will convince me whether or not he can answer this longing, lonely heart of mine. And he clambered up into a tree and perched himself up there in the mulberry tree. You know, the more I think about this, the more up to date it is. You ask me what the twofold motive is that makes people press through to see the Savior? One is loneliness, the other is longingness. Both are produced by sin. That sense of being cut off from God, from Christ, from men in the deepest sense of the world, without hope in the world, and with that a longing, an ache, a void that nothing can fill, beer won't fill it, pleasure won't fill it, sex won't fill it, wealth won't fill it, Society won't fill it, fame won't fill it, knowledge won't fill it. There's an ache there, and that ache cries out, I want God, I need God, I must have God. Nobody else will satisfy but God. If you've not met Jesus Christ, there's an empty void in your heart. The motives that made Zacchaeus seek the Savior. Secondly, the message that made Zacchaeus trust the Savior. The message that made Zacchaeus trust the Savior. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And Jesus said, this day is salvation come to this house. The message that made Zacchaeus trust the Savior. My friend, if ever the gospel were wrapped up in a story, here is the gospel. Here is the gospel. Look at it. Here was the message, first of all, of the personal compassion of Jesus Christ. Jesus came and stood and looked up into the tree and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at thy house. Now, my friend, it doesn't need very much sanctified imagination to assess the impact that that message made on the heart of poor Zacchaeus. Lonely, outcast, derelict, piles of money, luxurious home, everything that this world could provide in balmy Jericho, and yet utterly lonely and a big, big hole in his heart. And he's up there perched in the tree. And he hasn't had a kind word said to him for years and years and years. And he sees this great crowd of people thronging the Savior. And presently he sees the most amazing sight in all his life. He sees the Savior break from the crowd, step out from the periphery of the crowd, come and stand right under the tree, and with a look of compassion that melted Zacchaeus's heart, he looked up into his face and said, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down. I want to share your home. I believe Dr. Alexander White is right when he said, Zacchaeus was a man who was melted by the kindness of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know how you see this, but my beloved friend, I see the whole of the gospel wrapped up in this one sentence. Let me remind you before I go any further that this is the only instance in the whole of the gospel story where Jesus Christ took the initiative to enter a sinner's house. 
All other occasions he was invited, but not here. He took the initiative. He said, Zacchaeus, make haste, hurry up and come down, for today I want to stay in your home. I want to abide in your house. My friends, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. How do I know? Because God looked down upon this earth and he saw us in all our loneliness. He saw us in all our longingness. And he said, I must come down and share the homes and hearts of men and women. And he took upon himself the very form of a servant, yes, and of a man. And he lived with men. And he did that in order that he might show how he could live in men. And the great gospel story is that God took the initiative in that mighty redemptive sweep in which God broke into time in order that he might live in your heart and might live in my heart. He died upon a cross to blot out our sins. He rose again that by his risen life through the Holy Spirit he might come to live in our lives, in our homes, in our businesses. Isn't that a wonderful gospel? The message that made Zacchaeus trust the Savior. It was the message of the personal compassion of Jesus Christ. Zacchaeus, hurry up. Let me share your home. But it was the message of personal salvation in Jesus Christ. This day is salvation. Come to this house. And the moment Zacchaeus stepped over the threshold of his home, something happened in Zacchaeus' heart that precise moment and Jesus said salvation has come into this house deliverance salvation liberty the message that made Zacchaeus trust the Savior it was the message of the compassion of Christ the message of the salvation of Christ my beloved friend sitting yonder I want to tell you there is nothing else in all the world that will make you trust the Savior than this just to think that the Savior, the Son of God, the Transcendent One, the one before whom all the angels veil their faces, and the seraphims and cherubim cry, Holy, 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 he who lives in the light unapproachable, he who is called the Transcendent One, has become imminent in time. He's come down and he looks into your face with the blood of the cross still visible as we see him yonder at Calvary, and he says, I want to share your home. I want to share your life. Others may call you an outcast. Others may spit as they see you. Others may term you a sinner. But I came to seek and to save that which was lost. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's compassion. And he wants to say to you tonight, this night is salvation come into this house. One last wonderful thought, to me the most precious of all. We've looked at the motives that made Zacchaeus seek the Savior. The message that made Zacchaeus trust the Savior. But look at the moment that made Zacchaeus own the Savior. And he made haste and received Jesus joyfully. And when they, the people, saw it, they all murmured, saying, that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. My friend, with dramatic significance, 
Luke tells us just what took place. Here is a man who had sought the Savior. Here is a man who had trusted the Savior. But the moment has now come to own the Savior openly, openly. He stood there by his Savior and he said these words, and I think they're absolutely tremendous. Behold, Lord. In other words, he stood alongside of his master and in the presence of hostility and opposition and derision and ridicule, he said, He is my Lord. Having called Christ Lord before the whole crowd, he then turned to the crowd and he looked at that crowd in the face and he said, Now listen. Listen, I'm going to give 50% of my total capital to the poor. And having given 50% of everything I own to the poor, I am going to restore to every man I have robbed by levying taxes too heavy fourfold. The if isn't in the Greek there. Since I have taken something by false accusation, I will restore him fourfold. And my friend, I want to tell you something. That was a tremendous statement to make. Because if you look at Leviticus and you look at the book of Numbers, you'll discover that on the basis of what Zacchaeus had done, all that he needed to do was to return the amount that he had taken and 20% interest. That was God prescribed law in the book of Leviticus and in the book of Numbers. But he didn't do that. Uh, that which I've taken, I'm going to return fourfold out of that which I possess, which simply means that he put upon himself the penalty of having robbed people, and he called himself a robber. Fifty percent of everything of his capital to the poor, and then to everyone from whom he'd taken money, restoring fourfold. A tax collector who became a benefactor. My friend, tonight I want to ask you a question. Can you hold a candle to this man and the change that took place in his life even though you call yourself a Christian? There was a big, big void in his heart. And he wanted Jesus. Are you prepared, my friend, to let Christ come into your life? We read these words. He made haste and received Jesus joyfully. Will you receive him joyfully tonight? This is David Olford. You have been listening to a message from God's Word delivered by my late father, Dr. Stephen F. Olford, who went to be with the Lord in the year 2004. If you wish to learn about our online resources or learning events at the Institute for Biblical Preaching, our web address is olford.org. That's O-L-F-O-R-D dot Org. You also may want to benefit from our online video training on expository preaching, which can also be found on our website. Thank you so much for listening.